absolutely fantastic. Uh, what an inspiring message from the youth, a message of love. I mean, what better message when you get a group of, of high school kids in one room to come up with a solution and they come up with love? How encouraging is that for our future? And I'm looking forward to that PSA, and we will broadcast that as much as we can. Uh, and we're just so thankful for that message. And we're so thankful that you guys are here today. Uh, welcome to the Skillman Church of Christ. As has been mentioned before, uh, we are beginning a new sermon series here at Skillman. For the next couple of weeks, Jake and I will be preaching this sermon series. It's called Where the Wild Things Are, How to Neighbor Well. And the title is based upon a famous, a very, very famous children's book called Where, Where the Wild Things Are. And many of you probably know the premise of this book. It's this kid at the very beginning of the book who gets in trouble with his mom and is sent to his room and is there in his room angry and then through his imagination goes on this wild adventure on a boat to, to distant lands and he meets these distant creatures and wild creatures and at first he's scared and he's intimidated and they look, they look scary and they have fangs but over the course of the book you see that these are not scary. It's only the, in his heart and his imagination that makes them scary and is embraced within this community. And so this is a season where we're going to be talking as a church about how we can be better neighbors. Not only as a church body, but also as individuals. And I think that if we look at the world around us and you see uh, what's going on, I think that we would all agree that this is a very, very important issue. It's worthy of our time, it's worthy of our cause, and I just want to invite you back each week as we explore uh, every, you know, certain aspects of this topic each and every week. Today, the topic is who is our neighbor? We're going to begin at the very beginning defining what the word neighbor means. And if you really, really look at it, I believe that almost every human conflict Almost every disagreement that we have as humanity, it stems from the inability that we have as humans to deal in a healthy way with people who are different than us. Every single conflict you can see, it deals with the deficiency that we have as humans to deal with people who are different in a healthy way. I mean, if you think about it, war, racism, discrimination, segregation, xenophobia, these are all symptoms of an inability to deal with someone who may be different than you, whether it's a different background, a different culture, uh, a, a different language, a different belief system. And here's the only thing wrong with those things, the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. Because the Bible speaks against these things, we speak for love. And in fact, if you look at the book of Romans, the book of Romans is all about dealing with this issue. How do you deal with someone who is different than you? Because the human tendency is to either run away, to distance yourself from someone different, to isolate yourselves, or, or to conquer this, this different group, to change them into looking more like yourself. But Romans is a, is a book, the entire book is about these two different groups who are forced to have community together. And how can these two distinct groups live in peace and harmony? Instead of competing, collaborate and in love, work together for the common goal. Romans is full of it. And the text that we're going to look today deals with this specific issue. If you have your Bibles, 
We will be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. So if you, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there to Luke, chapter 10. And if you look at the Gospel of Luke, it's interesting because the first nine chapters of this book, Luke, chapter 1 through chapter 9, they deal with the question, who is Jesus? And so the, the stories that are written, the accounts that are told in Luke's chapter, Luke chapters 9, 1 through 9, answer the question, who is Jesus? Beginning in chapter 10, there's a shift in the purpose of the writing. And instead of, instead of answering the question, who is Jesus? Now we're looking at a different question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Specifically in Luke chapter 10, we're looking at what does a disciple of Jesus look like? What does it mean to follow Jesus as a disciple so closely that the dust from his feet covers your face? In the very beginning part of Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 12. And so you see that part of being a disciple of Jesus, an innate characteristic of following Jesus means being a messenger, sharing the good news verbally, articulating this great news that we have to our neighbors. Second part of Luke 10 is the other half of being a disciple, and that is being a good neighbor. It's gospel neighboring. In fact, if you were going to look here at the uh, in Luke chapter 10, we'll start, uh, we'll start in verse 25 and, and read briefly a little bit of this conversation where Jesus talks about what it looks like to be a good neighbor and what it means to love in this way as a disciple of Jesus. Luke 10, 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So we have here, at the very beginning, the stage is being set. We have an expert of the law. And in our modern day history, we probably imagine this expert of the law being what an attorney or someone who's an expert in civil law. But this is actually a religious law expert, probably a high theologian, someone who's very high up in the religious system, someone who's an expert of the law. And he gets Jesus together, and it says in this text that he wants to test Jesus. It's a trap. He's trying to, to trap Jesus. Rule number one, you can't trap the Son of God. You can't trap Jesus. That's impossible. But why in the world would this religious scholar why would he want to trap and test Jesus? Well, here's the deal. And we can read this all in, in the Bible, that Jesus was kind to sinners. He was kind to people who did not fully know and obey the law. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with those who the religious establishment would deem unclean. And so this religious leader... This scholar, he probably thinks deep down that Jesus must not care about the law. Because if he cared about the law, then he wouldn't hang out with those people because those people don't care about the law. So if Jesus, if he really did, he would, he would, he would shun them. And, and so he puts Jesus in this trap. He's saying, man, Jesus had the audacity to love people who were different. And he's trying to trap him and say, hey, by asking this question, he's going to admit to all of us that he doesn't care about the law and that he's a fake. But what does Jesus do with this tough question? 
Well, Jesus answers his question with another question, which is an amazing tactic. Have you guys ever tried that before? You know, if you're in a bind and someone asks you a, a tough question, you know, the Jesus way, what would Jesus do? Is to ask another question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've used it a couple times in my life to tell me you have some pretty tough minds. I mean, uh, when I was dating Tara early on, uh, we went shopping a few times together, a few times together. And uh, we'd go to a dressing room, and I'd be sitting in that ordained couch outside where the men sit. And uh, she would come out and say, hey, what do you think about this dress? And uh, here's the deal. <laughs> uh, two things. Number one, I do not have any fashion sense, so I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to fashion. I'm the last person that you should ask about your, your fashion advice. Secondly, I was enamored with her. And so everything she put on, I thought was just gorgeous. I mean, like, like she could have put on, um, you know, oh, I don't know, anything. Just use your imagination of something bad. And I would have said, wow, that looks gorgeous. But I was in a tough spot because we were early on in our relationship. I didn't want her to think that I was just, you know, not really a, a, a critical thinker. Uh, and so she came out one day and uh, she said, hey, how do I look? And I, I thought to myself, what would Jesus do? <laughs> WWJD, what would you just do? And so I paused and said, hmm, what do you think? <laughs> and she looked kind of puzzled and said, no, no, I'm asking you, what do you think? I, how do I look? Do you like this the color? I, what does the mirror tell me? <laughs> what is the mirror telling you about what that dress is doing to you? Needless to say, it got me out of that jam. I didn't get invited more shopping as many times. But just for future reference, this is a good way to get out of mind when you're in trouble. You know, Jesus does it, but he actually has thought behind it. When Jesus is placed with this question of what do you do in this situation, Jesus answers, well, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your Sorry. What is written in the law? He said in verse 26. He replied, well, how do you read it? Verse 27, this teacher of the law said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 28, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But in verse 29, this ruler, this, this uh, scholar said, but he wanted to justify himself. He just couldn't take that as, as, a, as a, a concrete answer enough. And so he said, but Jesus, who is my neighbor? But Jesus, I know you said I need to love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? Who do I love? And do you realize what this guy's asking? Do you realize what's behind this question? He wants to know the minimum requirement. He wants to know how far does he have to go? Really, how many people does he really have to love? I mean, this expert in the law, this question right here, who is my neighbor to Jesus? This reveals something that is deep within all of us. His question reveals something that is in human nature that I think if we are true and honest, we would all admit in our deepest soul that this is a question that we have too. How far is it enough? Who, how far do we need it to 
to widen the circle of our love and care and compassion. Because you see, it's easy to love people who are just like you, just like, just like yourself. It's easy to care for people who think like you, who look like you, who behave like you, who live like you. You see, that's easy. It's easy to go and sit and hang out with people who are going to affirm your thoughts and what you think to be true and your idea about this and your idea about that. But what is challenging and what Jesus is calling us and this scholar to do is the hard thing, going above and beyond. The hard thing is to love those who you disagree with. The hard thing is to care for those who you don't believe the same thing as they do on a certain issue. The hard thing is to go to that neighbor who loves you and love that person for who that person is, despite your disagreements and despite the differences that you have. You see, there's that joke that I told one time here. I'll, I'll tell it again because it's so funny. It's a, <laughs> I may tell it a third time, but it's about it's a, it's a, a joke about from Charlie Brown, and uh, it's, a, it's a, a comic, and I think Sally is her name. Is that right? Sally's walking out of church with Charlie Brown, and there's a sign, a marquee that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Sally looks at Charlie Brown and says, loving your neighbor, just loving your neighbor, I have no problem with that. It's loving the guy who lives next to me. Now that's where I have an issue. <laughs> you see, it's easy to love people who you get along with and who you, you gel with. But those that maybe rub you, rub you the wrong way, those that believe opposite from you, those that challenge you, now that is the meat. That is what Jesus is calling us to do. It is hard. And if, you, if we were to pause right here and just be real, in all seriousness, we can see this deficiency in our culture, in our nation, in the city. Have you read the news recently about the way that we talk to each other? Have you read and listened to the rhetoric in Washington? Both sides of the aisle just being nasty. Nasty to each other, rude, insulting intelligence, insulting people's motivation. It is absolutely evident that we as a people need to hear the message of Jesus right here, right now, as a nation. Have you opened your Facebook page recently? People will like post these really mean things on Facebook. Hey, I just want to pause right now and tell you, if you are one of those people who will post a mean message to someone on social media, let's make an agreement right here, right now, to stop. Because that is not the Jesus way, to be mean and to be rude. Let us make it a, right now that bullying, that being mean on Facebook is wrong and it's against the teachings of Jesus. And you know what? It's weak. It is weak because it's lazy to sit on your computer and shoot your opinion in a mean way to somebody without having the strength to face that person face to face and have a conversation. So good news, guys. Don't worry. If you're one of those people, don't worry. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. You can change. God still loves you. I love you. It's going to be okay. You can come forward after service. We'll pray for your soul. <laughs> but we can make an agreement together that this is not the way of Jesus. This is not the way. Because the truth is this. 
That teacher revealed something in us that is deep down. Is that we sometimes want to put a line in the sand of who we are kind to and who we are nice to and who we want to be, be, uh, be generous with and caring with. But here is the answer to Jesus' question. Who is my neighbor? Is it just people that we agree with? People that we believe the same? People that, that have the same ideology as you? Well, Jesus responds to that question with, let me tell you a story. And he begins to tell an amazing story about the Good Samaritan. Every, we all know this story here. This is the story of, of the Samaritan who was going on a journey and he sees this Jew hurt on the side of the road and he takes this Jew and he pays for him. He heals him. It, holistically, he ministers to this man physically and spiritually. And here's the deal about this is that we all know that the Jews and the Samaritans were bitter enemies. I mean, these guys utterly hated each other. I mean, these guys were as far apart as you could ever imagine. So basically, Jesus is saying, who is my neighbor? Who do I need to be kind to? Who do I need to care about? Who do I need to jump and be a person of, of, of hope at a time of pain? Jesus says, everybody. Every body, even if that person doesn't share the same belief as you, we are called to be kind to every single human being on this planet. We are called to love our neighbor. And who is our neighbor? Everybody. The person who lives next to you, the person who shares the cubicle, the person that's sitting next to you, the person in India. Our neighbor is everybody, even if we don't agree. So we may ask Jesus a couple questions about this, because we need a little bit of clarification, because just like that young theologian, we want to draw that line of the same. We, we don't want to love everybody. So let's ask Jesus a few questions. Jesus, but what if I don't like this person? Do I still have to be kind, compassionate, and loving and caring to them? Well, by using the Jews and the Gentiles as the example, the Jews and the Samaritans as an example of this story, Jesus says a resounding yes. Because, like I said, the Jews and the Samaritans were bitter enemies. I mean, young Jewish boys could not enter the house of a Samaritan because it was deemed that they were cursed and unclean. This was racist. This was hate. They did not love each other. They were bitter enemies. And Jesus says, you love that person even when you do not like them. Jesus says, you love your neighbor, even if you do not like them. Another question. Jesus, but, but what if I disagree with this person? Or, you know, what if we believe differently? You know, even though, you know, of course, I'm right. <laughs> am I still called to be kind, embracing, generous, and understanding with that person? Here again, Jesus the story with the Jews and Samaritans. I mean, these guys utterly believe there's two different religions. Two different religions. And Jesus uses them as the protagonist and the character in the story to illustrate that even if we believe differently or we vote differently or we feel differently about a certain issue, we need to love that person as we would love ourselves. Another question to Jesus 
Jesus. But what if we feel like these, these people don't deserve our kindness, don't deserve our love? Because, you know, it's one thing to be kind and compassionate, you know, give a generous donation to someone whose house got struck by lightning and, you know, it's, it's, or you know, a tornado came. It's not their fault. You know, they were just the recipient of bad luck. But what about those neighbors who are lazy, who don't work, who made, who made a bad decision and now they're living the consequences of this bad decision many years later? What about those neighbors who are greedy and who uh, wanted to take all the money for themselves? What about those neighbors? Well, again, the, the fact that Jesus used the Samaritans and the Jews, it dispels any sort of line that we can draw in the sand. We are called to love everybody. Because the Samaritans and the Jews, they believed that they, that the other person was cursed. They literally believed that they were cursed. In fact, if a Jew was walking by the, 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 the road and saw a Samaritan in a valley, that Jew would probably say, serves him right. You know, he's, he's that kind of person. He, his ancestors made a decision years prior. He deserves that. But Jesus, by using these two people groups together, who hate each other, who at the very core, he is telling us that every single person is our neighbor. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, And to do it with such passion, and to do it with such vigor, as we would care for our own self, so that the world can see it and be amazed at what this is. So here's the challenge for today. You know, we're going to, Jake and I, each week, we're going to try to uh, leave you guys with a tangible challenge. Here's a challenge. Love your neighbor as yourself. You guys got that? Can you do it? Are we, are we in agreement here that that's good? <laughs> I mean, when we say neighbor here, we're talking about that person that lives on your street, that person you share an office with. That person you see at the grocery store, whether you like that person or not, whether you believe the same as that person or not, whether you're part of the same political party or part of the same social club, it doesn't matter. You're called to love that person the same as you would love yourself, with the same kindness, care, understanding as you would love yourself. Are, are we cool with that? <laughs> no, you're shaking your head. And just like me, I'm like, whoa, Jesus, come on now. This is a pretty tough task. And we want to admit here, we're not going to be perfect. This is something that we want to strive. We're going to continue to grow. And if we fail, God will forgive us. But something more tangible, something that we can actually hit. There's another challenge that we have that we're going to put before our church and see if we can do this. Intentionally look for one moment this week where you can be present with a physical name. This might be a conversation in the front yard or knocking on the door and just introducing yourself to them and ask them what you can do to be a good neighbor to them this week. So that's just a challenge to see if you'd be willing to, to maybe step out of your comfort zone and go intentionally meet someone who's on your street or someone in your neighborhood. That is the challenge. It, it, extra credit, by the way, if it's someone who you know is different than you, doesn't look like you, doesn't believe like you, that's extra credit if you can, uh, can do that challenge for this week. And may we not meet people with fear, but rather greet them, embrace them in love, with open arms and ears. The last thing is why. Why do we as Christians have the ability to do this? Why can we love our neighbor? Why? Why can we, even despite the differences, 
even despite the differences in belief or thought process, why can we do it? Well, have any of you guys seen that documentary by Mr. Rogers? You saw that? Yeah. I mean, uh, David sang that amazing song this morning, by the way. That was fantastic. I think we should do that every Sunday. Uh, get you up here. But there's a very powerful, I recommend you've seen it. It's about being a good neighbor. But uh, there's one very uh, powerful part of that documentary where uh, they're talking about how Mr. Rogers in his neighborhood got a lot of backlash in media because he was too positive of a message. That every, every uh, episode, he would leave the children with a message that they are loved, that they are good, they have the innate good within them, and that they are valuable. And uh, there were some news articles that blasted this because they said, well, maybe this is a result of a, a, a generational, a generation problem. That now these kids are growing up thinking they're awesome. You know, do the audacity. There's so much to think they're awesome. How bad is it that someone would think, so they were just blasting Mr. Rogers. And there's a part there where one of the interviewers says, but listen, if you are a Christian, if you believe in the teachings of Jesus, why would you have a problem with believing the good in people? Because you believe that you were created and that in Psalms 139 that you were knit in your mother's womb. And not just you, but that person sitting over here was, that neighbor in India and in China. God created every single person. We are all created. God knit us all in our mother's womb. And the same God that is working in me is the same God that is working in you. God is present in my life. He's also present and working in the life of your greatest enemy or most intimidating foe. We have to believe as Christians that God is at work. Ultimately, there is no us and them because we were all God's creation. It's only us. We're all on the same team. Ultimately, because we are all creating God. So, that gives us the power, the privilege, the blessing as Christians to love, freely love our neighbors. Each and every week here at this church, we celebrate this with communion. We celebrate as in a common meal the bond that we share. Because even in this room, we're different. Different politically, economic, socioeconomically, different generationally. But you know, we share our love for God. We were all created. We all serve the same Lord. And we share a meal together each and every Sunday. We're going to sing two songs, uh, thinking and meditating about this. And Barbara is going to come up and give us a message of communion together. But as we sing these songs, I want to encourage you to think about your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Who can you love better? Who in your neighborhood are you going to approach this week? And why are you not going to be afraid? Because God is with you. And the beautiful thing is that we're all doing the same thing here. We're sharing this meal together. But you know what's also great to think about? is Christians all over the world are doing the same thing. That we are united in Malaysia, in Nigeria, in Europe. We are all sharing this meal together because we are God's during this time, if you do need prayers, if you are going through a hard time, or if you want to confess your horrible sins on Facebook, <laughs> we will have elders on the side that will embrace you lovingly, 
pray for you. Um, if you want to know more about baptism and want to know what it means to fully be a disciple of Jesus, we'll also be up here. But let's spend these next two songs meditating on this message while we prepare for uh, Barbara's message and share it with you together.